one quick note before we get into the podcast. I finished recording this and realized I forgot to say this. Don't get too excited. This isn't because Matt McChesney's on and he's like cursing all over the place. Tomorrow, Thursday at five o'clock is the first buff soccer game of the season. It's uh, in Boulder. Uh, they're playing Drake. I'm going to try to get up there. We're going to be tight because I have obligations uh, for the football team before that. But I'm going to try to make it up there in time for that game. And maybe I'll run into a couple of you there. Uh, just want to throw that on there so everybody's aware. 5 o'clock. Buffs play Drake in soccer at Prent Up Field. And I think I'm pronouncing that right. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has McKinley Wright Hey everybody, welcome into the BSN Buffs podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. I'm your host, Henry Chisholm. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about the delicious certified gluten-free breads, bagels, English muffins, and other baked goods that are made right here in Johnstown, Colorado. Canyon Bakehouse's gluten, dairy, nut, and soy-free products make it easy for families to enjoy the taste and texture of fresh bread so everyone can love bread again. Find them at any major grocery store, in the freezer, or fresh bread aisle, or purchase online and visit canyonglutenfree.com to grab a coupon. All right. How's it going, everybody? We are back. It's Wednesday. Um, The Buffs are getting into game prep. I know it's still, what, nine days away from uh, the Rocky Mountain Showdown, but I talked to Aaron Maddox after practice today, and he says that he can kind of feel the energy changing as the Buffs really get close to real football. They've started installing their game plans. Uh, they've started studying CSU tape. They're figuring out what they need to do to beat this Rams team that they really should beat. They have the talent advantage, and they have 10, no, 10 days left to figure out what the best way to go about beating them is. It's an exciting time, really exciting time. We're getting close to real football that we all get to watch, and that is awesome. So today I want to start off, like always, by talking about what we learned after practice today. It was a weird one. Uh, for the first time, the Buffs were up in their other facilities. They're not, not down on the lower practice fields, but I think they were working out in the indoor facility and also on Folsom. I, we know that they were on Folsom. I think they were also in the indoor facility. That's what we were told, at least, but I didn't see anybody in there. They're probably using those as two separate practice fields so that they can get more guys working at the same time. Um, so that's interesting stuff. They're back in the stadium. Um, after practice today, uh, practice went 
long, about 20, 30 minutes long, maybe. And so Mel Tucker didn't have time to talk to the media. So we actually haven't heard from Mel for a couple of days now. Yesterday, he was uh, giving, uh, Cur- uh, not Curtis Shiverini, he was giving Darren Shiverini the podium to talk a little bit, um, a lot about the receivers and more about his promotion to assistant head coach, which was, there was some interesting stuff in there. I think we're going to touch on that a little bit more in the second segment today. So today I got a chance to talk to Aaron Maddox, like I said, and as always, he's, he's a great kid to talk to. He's super smart, introspective, uh, speaks well. I think he has a lot of good thoughts which is always fun. It's, it's always a fun conversation with him. And that's kind of why when I knew it was a slow day, there was nobody I really needed to talk to outside of Mel. But uh, I, I figured he was a guy who I could go to and hear what's going on. And I think it went pretty well. So the biggest takeaway is that these DBs are still studying. There's still a lot to learn in this system. As, as we've talked about before, they're bringing Mel Tucker and... Uh, Tyson Summers, his defensive coordinator, are bringing over the Georgia defensive system, the Georgia slash Alabama Nick Saban defensive system, which is pretty intense. There are a lot of reads. There are a lot of checks. There are a lot of trade-offs. These guys need to be at the top of their game, and it's not easy to get there. What makes the it's, – it's almost like a base cover three defense that they run where – the outside corners, it, it's a cover match, so the corners aren't running all the way downfield with the receivers or behind the receivers. They're breaking off the routes if the receivers are breaking off the routes. And so it turns into this quasi-man zone thing where there are weird situations where you pass them off. You have to call out whether there's an underneath route so that everybody knows to step down. And so the coverage kind of develops early on in the first couple seconds of the play. And that's why it's so important getting these pre-play calls figured out so that you kind of know what to expect. So that you can look at the offense and say, well, there are four receivers. They're probably going deep. We have to be ready to stay deep. But they do have like the under call where everybody steps up. It's, it's very, very complicated. And I think we should get into that a little bit more in the future. But for right now, we're going to leave it right there with this is a very complicated defense. And... The cornerbacks are still studying. The safeties are still studying. I bet most of the defense is because it's it's more about using your brain than it is using your body, which I really like, and I think that in the long run will pan out well. Uh, it allows players to put themselves in the very best situation every play because they're running a defense that matches what the offense is doing. And they're making that decision after they've already seen what the offense is doing. It just means that everybody has to be on the same page. There has to be good communication. And that's not always easy to do early on. So they're still studying. I think Aaron said that he and uh, the other safeties are meeting before meetings tonight for another hour and a half to go through film, uh, talk through the film, figure out what they need to do, which is what you want to hear. You want to hear that these guys are taking it upon themselves to learn that kind of stuff it's just going to be interesting to see what exactly the back end of this defense which is going to be pretty young will look like early in the season and there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic there's a lot of talent back there but it's not all about talent at this point um and we're we're actually going to touch on that just a little bit more later on one of the questions uh refers to it just a little bit but 
before we get into that, I want to talk about uh, Sam Neuer. We talked about him quite a bit yesterday. He was most of the first segment just because that news was, to me, surprising. But we had a chance to talk to Sam, and there was some interesting stuff in there from him, too. First of all, I had never spoken with Sam before. and I, I saw he was listed 6'4", 220. He's a legit 6'4", 220. That's a big guy. And he looks like a quarterback. He looks like an athlete. We know he's very athletic. We know that that's not going to be what's holding him back. But he's he's really big for a safety. I mean, looking through the other uh, buff safeties, I mean, Aaron Maddox, 6'1", 185. Mark Perry, 6'1", 195. Trey Udofia, 6'2", 200. Uh, it's, it's not a big group of guys. Darian Rakestraw is 6'2", but he's only 195 pounds. He's the biggest safety, and Sam has him by 2 inches and 25 pounds. It'll be interesting to see if he has not just the speed. I believe he has the straight-line speed. He looks like the kind of guy who would, but does he have the quickness? Can he... The acceleration, is that there for him? And I'm excited to see it on the field. And Sam is pretty excited to get started too. It's always interesting in this situation where, you know, he realized that he wasn't going to see the field as a quarterback. Like he was, there there were guys in front of him who were going to see the field before him. And so the best move for him was either to transfer and find a place where he would have a shot to play, where he wouldn't have to rely on multiple things, not breaking in the team's way, but breaking in his way, uh, to, to see the field. So he could transfer, or he could change positions. And Mel called Sam into his office and said, basically that, do you, do you want to find a position where you can play, or do you want to sit on the bench? Which, I mean, is harsh, but it's what happens in college football. Because, I mean... Steven Montez, redshirt senior, clear starter. You have Tyler Lytle, who's a sophomore, and then Sam's a junior. He isn't going to be able to outlast these guys. Plus, Blake Stenstrom's a redshirt freshman, so he has a few years left of, of eligibility. And at this point, I think Sam felt that the writing was on the wall at quarterback, and Mel brought him into the office and said, hey, do you want to play safety? And Sam said he did. He decided not to transfer. I don't know that that was even crossing his mind, but that was the other option. He decided he did want to switch to safety. They didn't really talk about any other positions. Actually, apparently Mel was watching, was it the Oregon State game last year? Might have been the Oregon State game, yeah. Washington State. I think it was Washington State. Uh, And Sam threw an interception. Sam ran across the field, lit up the guy who picked him off. And Mel said that that's why he knew that the kid could play safety, which is interesting. So we do know that he has, I mean, he has the size. He can hit. He's he's a good athlete. This, like I said, with Aaron Maddox, there's a lot to learn. And who knows whether he'll be out there week one, whether he'll be out there next season. There's a chance that he decides to transfer out and find a place where he can play after this season. There's... It, we're still early on, so we just don't have a great read on the situation. Sam's really excited to start, though. He uh, he says that he feels like playing quarterback helps. He has a good understanding of how quarterbacks think, how the offense runs. He's been reading defenses, and so he thinks that he can fit into that defense and play a part. He also said that he expects to be contributing on special teams, which makes a lot of sense. When you're a big athletic guy... You can play on special teams. You don't need much more than that. It's run straight down the field and make a tackle. So 
I think that was pretty much all we learned from Sam. Was interesting hearing from him. Again, another bright guy had some interesting things to say. Probably going to have to change his number. He said he didn't know that wasn't his choice, but there's definitely a number another or another number four on the defense, so he's going to have to make some move there. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how he fits in, because this is one of those situations where I'd be surprised if he's contributing significantly on defense this year. But at the same time, there's a bunch of young guys who will be playing key roles in that secondary, so he could he could definitely find a spot in the rotation. We'll see. We know that he'll be playing special teams for sure. And that's all I've got on Sam Neuer. It's time to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that you guys are going to love. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they're calling this a lighthearted Kolsch ale. But for those of you who have no idea what that means, this is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer. And make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. We just launched it this week. You'll be able to see all of the events we have planned, and we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them. So RSVP and have a good time. As always, I have to throw something at the end of that. Saturday having the Broncos preseason whatever watch party at Blake Street Tavern. We're going to turn that into a college football watch party because we're all going to show up because that Bronco game is going to be the exact same time as, uh, I think actually it starts an hour after Miami plays Florida before that game kicks off. I always feel weird saying before Miami, Florida kicks off because that's a place and not just a matchup. But there's that. And then I think that's at five. Broncos start at six at 8.30 uh, Hawaii plays uh, Arizona, a Pac-12 game. Really excited to watch both of those. I'll be there watching. Hopefully, all you guys will be too. It's free. There'll probably be some sort of Breckenridge beer special. Uh, just a great time to gather and talk buffs. So, see you there. Hey guys, it's Allie and Lindsay here, and we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Winester is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Winester is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S. So my favorite part about Winester is the fact that I don't really know much about wine, and when I go to a liquor store, I tend to gravitate towards the same wine I've always had instead of trying something new. But with Winester, they make the process so easy. That's exactly right, Allie. And from my perspective, you guys, I love wine and have tried so many different types of wine at different price points. And Winester is not only easy, but it is quite literally some of the best wine I've ever tasted, and it makes for an amazing gift. What's also ideal about Winester is that you can pick your shipments based on your schedule. That's right, Allie. So whether you're a casual drinker or you love hosting parties, you can get your shipment based on your lifestyle. So head to their website today, you guys. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Winester.com. We've got BSN25 promo code for you, and you can save $25 off your first order. All right. Jumping back in now. Yesterday, I talked a little bit about doing the position-by-position breakdown. I think there was a commenter who wanted it, and I want to do it too. I 
wanted to hold out until we got a depth chart, just we got a little bit more to work off of. But we haven't gotten one yet. We might not get one. So since there are what? This is there's three like seven seven real podcasts left before the season starts. That fits perfectly with the seven position groups that we want to talk about. So we're gonna get that going today. And we're going to use one where it's pretty easy to predict what exactly will go down at that position. And that's wide receiver. So LaVisca Chenault, we all know who LaVisca Chenault is, what LaVisca Chenault is, and what to expect from him. I mean, I can, I could talk about him for an hour, but I don't really think we need to, other than to say, I mean, yesterday uh, Sports Illustrated named him a first-team preseason All-American, which means he's one of the top two or three receivers in the country in their book. That's not a hot take. That's pretty common because he is just uh, that good. I think I think it was this morning the Athletic dropped their uh, rankings for like the top 50 prospects for the NFL draft, and LaVisca was the top-rated wide receiver. Ahead of C.D. Lamb, ahead of Jerry Judy, it was LaVisca Chenault at the very top of the list. He's a freak. He's too fast for how big he is. He's too strong for how fast he is. He has incredible hands. He understands the game. Like There just isn't much you need to add on to LaVisca other than to say like he is the best number one wide receiver in the country. He's your prototype outside receiver. Send him down the field. Let him go get the ball. And also he can do stuff after the catch, which is why we see that him being used in the screen game. I think there's one interesting note uh, this is going back to that podcast with Matt McChesney when he said that Brady Russell, the Buffs tight end, has been working a lot as kind of that H-back position, almost tight end, but a step or two back into the backfield, cutting across the formation of pass protection and taking out that rusher. So the idea is you have your five offensive linemen. They all slide to the right, push a guy to the right, have the tight end on the right side of the line, swing back around, and just clean up whoever's rushing on that left edge. That was LaVisca's job a lot of the time last year, like particularly in uh, when he was run blocking. They put him back there because he's such a strong run blocker. You could trust him to just clean up the backside. He also did it in pass protection, and that was something that I know frustrated a lot of Buffs fans because he... He should be running downfield. When you have four receivers running routes, not having the best receiver, one of the three best receivers in the country, indisputably not in a route. Like, it just doesn't make sense. So it does sound like he will be doing less of that. I've also heard that this offense won't be quite as gimmicky. We've heard that from a bunch of different people, um, a lot of them who know what they're talking about. And so I think that we will see more of a typical receiver job for him this season that's my expectation at least that we'll see him run short route we'll see him run those slants we'll see him run the goes but we'll also see those 10 yard digs and those fly like corners like every sort of route I expect to see LaVisca Chenault running and I don't expect nearly as much of the horizontal stuff to him because you can get the ball in his hands so easily downfield and let him make plays from there He's so big, he gets to box out receivers, and he'll get the ball, push him off, and then start running, which just makes more sense than making him take more hits at the line of scrimmage. 
little bit of insight there, but mostly stuff that you guys already knew. Number two receiver, and I think, again, one of the best number two receivers in the Pac-12, Katie Nixon. He just fits that role so perfectly because he's he isn't big enough to be a true number one. He just works perfectly working off of LaVisca, using his speed to get away from guys. Like he's 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 a incredible deep threat. I uh actually was just watching the spring game. One of the, one of the commenters, I guess we can knock that comment right now. So I think we had six today, which is awesome. And that's the new standard. So you guys better be ready to keep this up. We had a comment from Keenerm. I think is how I say his name, Keenerm. Uh, he said he he oh he asked me why I hadn't watched the spring game since it's available online and it'd be a simple, almost minimal effort for a new pundit. Um, so I had no idea that we could just watch the spring game. I figured that there was no way that somebody would just post that because I was able to get like eight or nine of the games on YouTube, and so I had a good sense of what happened last year. Didn't even cross my mind that the spring game would be publicly available. So I got through the first quarter of that, and Katie Nixon, like always, just stands out. He He's so fast, and he just has a good sense. Like, that's what he is. We've been talking about whether he should go in the slot, but that just takes away too much of his downfield ability, too much of his big play ability. With those slot guys, you want them just getting open on little slant routes, like quick out routes, just using that quickness in small spaces to get open. And they'll go downfield a little bit, just not as nearly as much as your guys who you line up outside. And so that's why I think that he won't. We know that he won't. I talked to Davion Taylor, like I said, a couple days ago, and Davion said that He's been covering slot receivers, and that means that he's been going up against uh, Dimitri Stanley, Jalen Jackson, Curtis Shiverini, and I think the quote was, I don't go outside with LaVisca, Chenault, and Katie. So there it is. Katie's not going to be working in the slot much, which I think I like. I think in the past, I kind of bought into the thought that he's five foot eight, and so it just makes sense for him to be in the slot. He's that little guy, but he's so, so fast that putting him in the slot would kind of minimize some of those abilities because he can get 12, 13 yards downfield so quickly and make a break. And he can gain a little bit of separation on that stem of the route getting downfield before he has to like get all shifty and try to move a guy off of him. And that's what you want from your slot receiver. That's what you want from a guy like Demetri Stanley, somebody who can run two, three yards downfield, have a cornerback right up on him, and still gain separation right at that point instead of forcing separation prior to that and then going into your break. You know, if that makes sense. I hope that makes sense. But Katie Nixon's going to be outside. He's a very good number two receiver. He fits well in that role. I think we will see more route running from him, just like LaVisca Chenault, because of the things that we've heard come out of this program, from people who know things about this program, who've said this is going to be a totally different offense. And... We'll see what Katie can do. Maybe he play, takes a couple snaps in the slot, but I don't think so. Starting slot receiver, though, Dimitri Stanley. Redshirt freshman. He's 5'11", 185. And he's another one just quickly in the spring game. I mean, with KD, I got to see most of last season, and so I've seen what he could do. But with KD, or with uh, uh, Dimitri Stanley in the spring game, he's already flashing that quickness. He's already making a couple plays. It's impressive. 
and talking to Davion Taylor, he said that you just can't stick to Dimitri Stanley because he's so quick. And we saw that in the open practice. We saw him get to the top of the route, run his feet a little bit, and then just get out of that break so quickly and gain separation and then catch the ball. I think that I think that he will live up to the hype. And there's been a lot of hype around him. From what I've heard from Davion, uh, Curtis Shiverini talked a little bit about him yesterday as well. He just seems like a guy who is ready to break out. You know, when I ask guys who's who's impressed you so far in camp, Dimitri Stanley isn't getting most of the shout-outs, but he's gotten quite a few. He's going to live up to that role. He's freaky fast. It just makes sense that he would be in the slot because he is the kind of guy who's just going to get separation two, three yards downfield, shake a guy off him, and catch a pass real quick. He's fast, but he doesn't have those downfield ball skills. Or at least we haven't heard about those downfield ball skills like we have with Katie Nixon. Uh, Moving on, they're number four. This is an interesting one. This is where it gets a little bit less predictable. I'm going to call their number four Daniel Arias. And that's tough because... You just don't know what they're looking for in a number four because the other option is Jalen Jackson, who's been working in the slot. He's going to be Dimitri Stanley's backup. He might be Katie Nixon's backup. Daniel Arias, he's just kind of next in line to be the number one receiver for the Buffs. It just might have to be after LaVisca's gone. He might jump from five to one next season just because his skill set fits better in that role that LaVisca's been playing. Here's what I know about Daniel Arias. I think the most important thing to know is that every day after practice, literally every day after practice, I walk up on the field a little bit, see what's going on, and Daniel Arias is one of the last five guys on the field. He's lined up at the jugs machine. He's 10 yards away, just getting balls rifled into his hands, and he's catching all of them. He's working hard, and that's what you want to see from him. Even at the open practice when all the fans were down on the field, I was watching him catch those balls out of the jugs machine with all the fans behind him. And Nate Landman ran up and said, dude, what are you doing? You're going to miss one of those and it's going to take somebody out. So, I mean, that's just who he is. He's working hard. He uh, He's a big guy, 6'4", 200, and he's fast too. He, he isn't LaVisca Chenault. Nobody's LaVisca Chenault, but he will be a solid replacement, like a he he won't live up to those standards, but it's not a guy that you can really be upset about being your number one receiver. The issue for him is just learning how to play. I mean, Darren Shiverini said yesterday that Daniel Arias has started to cut down on the mental mistakes. He knows where to line up. He knows what route to run. And, I mean, I, he generally does. It's just he needs to keep developing in that way to keep learning this playbook, keep learning how to play football, learning the technique, and it'll all come to him because he is so big and he is so fast and he has great feet. He has incredible hands. And I bet he's going to make a couple highlight reel plays this year that make fans say, wow, why isn't he getting more time on the field? And it's just because he's still pretty young. He's still just a, he's still just a sophomore, not a redshirt sophomore, but just a true sophomore. And it's going to take him... I think another year to really develop into a guy that you put on the field every single play. Jalen Jackson, 
very similar to, to Dimitri Stanley. He's a sophomore. Dimitri Stanley's a redshirt freshman. They're the same age. They're very similar in how they play the game. Both quick, fast, speedy little guys. I think Dimitri Stanley just has that natural footwork that will give him the edge for the starting slot position. But Jalen Jackson will be in there too. Um, behind that, though, it's kind of anybody's guess. So those are your top five. Braden Huffman Dixon is a true freshman, I believe. Yeah, he's a true freshman. He's a very highly rated recruit. It makes sense that he would be the guy down the line. But again, just very raw. He looks he looks really small. Um, but that's what you expect of a guy out of high school. Um, he and Vontae Chenault, though, I think are in a very similar boat. They're both very good athletes. Vontae has, another true freshman, has flashed a lot in camp. He's the guy who, when I say who's impressed you, half of them have been saying Vontae. I don't know that he's ready yet. We're going to talk a little bit more about him later because of a question. But both of those two guys, I mean, when they go six deep, when they need a sixth guy on the field, I think it's going to be one of those two. It just depends on who is developing, who's progressing uh, faster, who seems the least raw as an 18-year-old at that point. I think it's Vontae. I really do. I think that he's the number six uh Braden Huffman Dixon's probably the number seven, but I could see that being one that kind of flips back and forth. And we'll talk more about Vontae later on, but they're just true freshmen who need more time before they're ready. Hey, BSN listeners, we're excited to tell you about some game changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible, so check them out. This CBD infused coffee has taken away long term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. We are moving along now on this Wednesday edition of the BSN Buffs podcast into the final segment, the question segment, and we got six comments, which is awesome, and that means there's a lot to talk about. Whatever you guys want to talk about. Uh, it starts with Husk This Nebraska. Like that. Uh, he says, hey, Henry, didn't know if this was where to post this, but wanted to know the vibe you are getting from the team on the lines on both sides. Uh, the season, I think, rides on their play. Keep up the awesome work. So grateful for the daily podcast. Listen every day. This is exactly where you post this, Husk This Nebraska. And... I'm glad that you did. That's a good question. We've touched on it, and we'll get deeper into it as we progress through the rest of the positions on this team, uh, going like day by day or whatever. But here's a general sense of what I've seen and what I'm hearing. The big news recently is that Tim Lenott is back at center. So he's been flipping back and forth. Uh, I think he was, a, he was a guard last year. He... Uh, Switched to center in the spring. Stayed at center because I think Colby Purcell may have been a little banged up. So spent the whole spring at guard or at center. Then the beginning of camp went back to guard. 
and then just I think just this week is back at center, and I'm pretty sure that this will be like the end of that flip flop. On the other side of that has been Colby Purcell, who was starting all 12 games at center last year, switched to guard this spring, got all banged up. That means they didn't get to try both positions in the spring, and then he will probably be at guard now this season. It kind of makes sense just when you like look at the numbers, look at their frames. Tim Lanot looks more like a center. He uh, he isn't quite as tall. He's a little more stout. Um, just has that like inside punch. You don't need him to be quite as mobile. Meanwhile, Colby Purcell is a little bit bigger, a little bit longer. They're still like very similar sizes, but I do think that this is a good fit. Um, one thing that I would worry about going forward, though, is snapping the football. Tim Lanott hasn't had a lot of time recently snapping the football. It really hasn't been since this spring that he's been working on it. Probably gets cleaned up by the time the season starts, but maybe something to keep an eye on just in case. That's the one big thing that could really go wrong when you're flipping between these two positions. So those two are locked down. I think they're in decent hands too. And then the tackles, I think also should be very good this year. Arlington Hambright's a senior. He comes over as a grad transfer from Oklahoma State where he started five games last year at left tackle. He'll be the left tackle here. I don't think they've, they haven't said that officially. He's been switching off with William Sherman between left and right tackle. I think that he does stick at left tackle, Sherman at right tackle. And Sherman's a guy who, I mean, he was honorable mention all pack 12 as a true freshman last year playing left tackle. So he, uh, He's holding down the right side now. You have Hambright, who's experienced. He's big. He's 6'5", 305. He's holding down the left side. You feel pretty confident about both those edges of your line. And I feel good about Lenat. And then you have Colby Purcell, who, again, he, he was a true freshman last year who started. You expect him to take a jump. Maybe he fits better at guard. He does need to step his game up, but who wouldn't need to going from their like 18 or 19-year-old season to the next year? Uh, at left guard, I think it's Kerry Kutch, but again, they haven't said for sure what exactly is going on there, at least that I've seen. I haven't heard anything come out. The big news with this line, so they become more experienced. They bring almost everybody back. They're showing or they're getting Arlington Hambright, putting William Sherman into the easier ta- tackle position. He said he doesn't really care which side. He just wants to pick one and go with it. Bigger than any of them gaining experience, better than the acquisition of Arlington Hambright, I think what's going to be most impactful is just bringing in offensive line coach Chris Kapilovic. He's an experienced guy. He was working with Mac Brown at North Carolina. He's worked for a bunch of winning programs, a bunch of very good offensive lines, lines, not lines, offensive lines. That doesn't make sense. But uh, I think that from what I've heard, he he's making an impact. The guys feel like they understand the technique better. They feel like they're working more on those individual skills instead of thinking so big picture about things. And that helps them win their one-on-one battle, which is kind of what it is about on this base level. And then figuring out how to how to join together, how to build that chemistry so that you know what everybody else is doing. So from what I've heard, it sounds like the technique is in better shape. And there's reason to be optimistic about this line. Uh, especially in the running game, we've heard a lot about this being a back-and-forth battle between the offensive and defensive line in the run game. 
One day the O-line will get it. One day the D-line will stuff everything. So that's what you want to hear when you're going up against your own team, that it is competitive. You hope that they're both competing at a high level, and there's really no way to ensure that. But that's what we've heard. Pass protection, haven't heard them talk about so much. I've heard that it will be solid, that it really hasn't been a huge problem, but we'll see. We'll see what exactly that looks like next Friday. On the defensive side of things, they're running that 3-4, so they'll only have three defensive linemen out on the field. I, I don't know how often they'll even put a fourth out there because of the way that they use uh, those some those outside linebackers with Carson Wells basically just lining up on the end of the line. Again, it's interesting. Mustafa Johnson, you trust. He's a guy who's headed the NFL. He has an interesting skill set for the NFL. Who knows exactly how well he fits in the NFL, but what we do know is that he is a monster in the Pac-12. He was honorable mention all Pac-12 last year as a sophomore. He's back this year. I think preseason honorable mention all pack 12 he might have snuck onto that second team I, th- I think he is uh honorable mention preseason but again gets after the passer strong inside presence at, at nose guard lining up over the center you have jalen sammy who hasn't played football for three years and so there is that question mark can he stay healthy if he does though i mean 6'6 320 his job is just to hold down the middle i think he gets it done um, I think Phil Steele has him has him as a honorable mention, maybe it was even second team preseason all Pac-12 uh, award winner, which is pretty crazy for redshirt freshman, but he's a talented guy and he does have that nose guard job pretty much locked up, I would assume. Um, reasons to be optimistic about him. Terrence Lang, he's a sophomore. He's a big, long guy. Uh, started... Did he start last year? I don't think he did start last year. But he got a bunch of playing time as a true freshman. He's 6'7", 275. Good athlete. Uh, pretty decently rated recruit. I haven't had a chance to talk with him like I have the other guys. But again, I'd be, I'd be pretty excited about him. Behind that's where it gets interesting because Mel Tucker said that he wants to rotate eight or nine guys across those three defensive line spots. That's a lot. Um, The one who's gotten the most hype so far other than those three is Naeem Rodman. He's a true freshman, 6'2", 295. I think he's out of California. And I think that he'll definitely see the field a lot this season. I think that he'll be productive too. So that's another name to watch behind those three. And since that outside linebacker pass rusher spot is kind of a defensive line, we can touch on that as well. Carson Wells is a true freshman last year, started six games, had four and a half sacks. He's crazy athletic. I'm really high on him. I've been high on him since the first quarter of tape that I watched on this football team. Uh, very good athlete. He was only a true freshman. I think the there really isn't much of a ceiling on him, and we'll see what happens now for him in year two. So individually, there's reasons to be excited. It's the depth behind that top line that I just don't know about. And we'll see how that plays out as the season progresses. I went a little long there, but we're going to move on to the next question now. Um... 
from Camster. Hey, Henry, thank you so much for all the work you're doing, putting out amazing pods for the buffs. I've subscribed to countless CU podcasts over the past eight years, most of which are either defunct or put out like one podcast a month. Just looking for something like this. As a diehard buff fan, I honestly feel like it's almost impossible to get some of the stuff you put out from anywhere else, and I'm so appreciative. A couple non-camp related questions. One, you might have missed this, or, or you might have mentioned this, but I have missed it. Uh, who does the theme song, or yeah, who does the theme song, and where does where can I get this? I think Silver Buff responded to you, doing my job for me. What a guy! Uh, and he says Colorado Swag on YouTube. The song was actually written and performed by former Buff Derek Webb, and I'm pretty sure he did it. I think it was during his freshman year while he was still a red shirt and went on to have like a very good career with the buffs. You guys know that better than I do, but I think it dropped in like 2008 or 2009 and he played through 2013. So shout out to Derek Webb for letting us use this song. It's awesome. Honestly, I'm a little surprised that you want to find it. I wonder what you're going to do with it. It seems like a strange thing just to like put on a playlist, but whatever you do you. Uh, number two, any word on if we might be able to get the Buffs articles in audio story form? Yeah, so we've had like a couple of hitches with that so far. Um, don't worry about it though. We're going to start getting all those audio stories up. There's the Buffs audio player. For those of you guys who don't know, they'll just read through all of the stories that I wrote. I read some of them. Interns read some of them. Andre reads some of them. And they'll all be there so you can just press play and listen like it's a podcast and you don't even have to take the time to read it. So it's the updating the media players has been a little bit strange, but we got that figured out. Should be good to go. Um, also, there will be audio stories at the top of every buff story. So yeah, read those. Or don't read those. Listen to those. No football questions for now, but enjoy your first game at Folsom Field. It's an awesome and unique place to watch a game. I'm so excited. It's going to be awesome. Silver Buff first mocks me for getting the headline wrong. He says, Noir already went back to quarterback. Interesting. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> mentioned Vontae not seeing the field. With the new redshirt rule allowing, I think, four games, why not? Let him have some plays with his brother, see the field, and get a feel for competing against college athletes. Yep. We were actually talking about this before practice yesterday, me and some of the media guys, and definitely, those two guys are going to see the field. They're going to use their four games of eligibility they aren't going to be a part of the rotation outside of those four games. Or I say those two guys. I mean, Vontae and uh, Braden Huffman-Dixon, the other two freshman receiver. I think they'll both play in four games. They won't play more than that just because there's no reason to burn the year of eligibility and you aren't worried about either of them leaving school early, likely. I mean, you never know what's going to happen, but this isn't the LaVisca Chenault situation where he's going to be gone after this year, after his junior year. So... That's what I expect. It'll be interesting to see exactly how they're used, though. So the way the rule works is that every player on the team can play four games. If they play four games or fewer, they can still redshirt that season. They can play every snap in that game. They can play two snaps in that game. If you show up on the field in four games, you can redshirt. If you show up on the field in five, no redshirt. Um... The interesting part is that you don't have to make that decision before the game. You don't have to say going into it, this will be one of Vontae's games. So you can dress these two out for every game and then just figure out which situations you can put them on the field for. I wouldn't be surprised if we see them against Colorado State. 
I wouldn't be surprised if the Buffs get up pretty big and don't need to put guys like Katie Nixon and LaVisca Chanel on the field and get some reps for Vontae and Braden. And that's true across the roster. I think that they're going to really try to develop these freshmen as much as they can because they have so much youth on this roster. You got to start figuring out who can do what. And if one of them flashes, I don't think either Vontae or uh, Braden really has a a chance to uh, get to the normal rotation to play five or more games. But some guys on this roster might if they really show out. So, yeah, those are my thoughts there. Uh, from Ben Bechter, or B. Bechter 22 I always say his name. I don't say anybody else's name, but I say his. Uh, sounds like CSU, I like it, thinks they have a legitimate shot to win the Rocky Mountain Showdown this year. I think they are completely outmatched, and the talent gap is too large. What are you hearing out of Sheep Camp that makes them think this will be a game? Beyond the obvious, it's a rivalry argument. Number one is that there's a lot of hype building around their new quarterback. Not new quarterback, but there was a weird situation last year. Colin Hill. He's been tearing up uh, Rams camp. Uh, I, I guess I haven't heard anything in the last week or so, but prior to that, he was on fire. And that'll get that'll get you hyped up. They have a good running back coming back. They have a very good receiver. And what what's going in their favor is that this Buffs offense, in theory, should be able to move the ball. They should be able to score on any team in the conference. They shouldn't have trouble uh, putting up points, even against, I mean, I don't know, maybe Utah gives them fits, and maybe they only put up low 20s there, but I expect this to be a very high-scoring team with this offense they're running, a veteran quarterback, a quarterback lots of talent, uh, running back, more experience along the offensive line. And so many, so many talented receivers. They're going to be able to score on anybody. And they might be able to put up the same amount of points on uh, a mid-level FBS school and a bottom-level FBS school like Colorado State. And so it's not that matchup, the Buffs offense versus the Rams defense, that really matters. Because the Buffs are just going to score. That's what is going to happen. What's interesting is whether Colorado State can answer and the way their offense is built, they might be able to, especially because, like I said earlier, this is a very complicated defensive scheme that Mel Tucker is implementing with the Buffs. They're still studying. They have another week and a half. Uh, Aaron Maddox says he's been watching film on all these guys, and he's so ready. He's been looking at how their feet line up before the snap. He's been looking at uh, where they're leaning on routes, all this, all this kind of interesting stuff. It's not that they're not focused. It's not that they aren't, that they're going to sleepwalk through this game because they won't. Mel Tucker won't let them. It's Mel's first game. They're going to get up for it. They aren't putting this in the bag as a dub. It's just going to be whether they really do have a firm grasp on this defense. And the secondary, there's still a lot of question marks. Like, there are so many reasons to be excited. I mean, Delrick Abrams is a very good cornerback. We know that. But he's kind of the only guy. We do know Chris Miller's a sophomore, might be starting at cornerback. Uh, Chris Miller's a sophomore, might be starting at cornerback next to Delrick Abrams. Makai Blackman, been good in camp. Have to see it in a game, though, because there are reasons that he hasn't gotten too much playing time the last couple of years. He's undersized, and he needs to make up for that somehow. Hopefully, he keeps it up. Mark Perry, true freshman, might be starting at safety. Aaron Maddox, he's a junior, but he, uh, 
he he only got 12 tackles last year. You know, it's there're just so many question marks along this team. I do like Mikhail Onu. It sounds like he's going to get a lot of playing time. Darian Rakestraw at safety is in the conversation. We just really don't know what this group is. Trey Udofia. Now, when I say most of the guys' names, I feel like I do need to shout out Trey Udofia and Isaiah Lewis because I bet they see the field quite a bit as well. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do, how they put these guys together, what combinations they use, and who really does understand what they're trying to do back there. CSU has a chance to take advantage of a young secondary that might not know exactly what they're doing. There could be some blown coverages. I wouldn't be surprised. That said, I still think it's Colorado blowout. Most of the hype building around Colorado State is the same hype that builds around every program in the country this time of year because, I mean, 12-0 and 0 is still on the board for them. It's still on the board for every team. And that just makes it so easy to get excited because you hear all the good things that come out and you really don't pay attention to any of the bad things. That's my take on it. I think that they have that matchup going for them. And I don't know that this secondary is going to struggle all year. I just think that it might be a bit of a rough start. Luckily, I'm going to have Justin Michael, our BSN Rams reporter, on the show at some point next week before the Rocky Mountain Showdown. And we're going to dig deep into all of this stuff. Not really sure when. It'll be before the Rocky Mountain Showdown. We're going to get some stuff planned and bring that to you guys. Uh, That was our last comment. And we're going to move along now. Before we go, you know I have to plug the SCOBUFFS promo code, S-K-O-B-U-F-F-S. Get $10 off a year-long subscription. Brings the price down to $34.99. Get a free shirt. I haven't heard whether we have a big lead in subscriptions over the Rams. I think last we heard we were back down one. We were up like six or seven right before that. I'll get that figured out in the next day or two. Report back. Pressure you guys into subscribing. Uh, gives you the exclusive right to comment and have your comments read. Just like uh, my guy Huskis Nebraska learned today, just throw it on the post for this podcast on bsndenver.com. I will read it. I'll respond to it. can be your thoughts, can be a question, whatever. Also, uh, Saturday, we will be at Blake Street Tavern for uh, the watch party, Broncos watch party. We want all of you college football fans there too so that we can watch college football because that's what's really important, not preseason football. I'll also be at Blake Street Tavern tomorrow. I'm going to have Andre Simone with me, and we will be at uh, Front Range Media Day where we'll hear from players and coaches from the Buffs, the Rams, the Air Force Falcons, and Wyoming. So that'll be a great time. Uh, Andre and I will be coming to you guys on the podcast from Blake Street Tavern afterward. Uh, Yeah, I think that's everything. Uh, Subscribe. Oh, one more thing. Uh, I'm being pressed to uh, ask for five-star reviews on iTunes, so please do that and get this podcast up in the rankings a little bit. Uh, Really appreciate it. Any feedback is always awesome. Gotten a couple great notes the last couple days with helpful things. A couple uh, just people wanting to say nice things to me, and I always like that too, so whatever. Uh, I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Bye, guys.
Discovery Station, patiently awaiting. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Cause you know we finna hit ya, hit ya, hit ya. Hit ya. Hey, hey. And you on your own now, why you watching the official? You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. And when you playing with ya, you can get it anytime.